Hi, my name is Benji. And I'm Jake. And I cheer for BYU. And I cheer for Utah. And and I think you should cheer for BYU too. No, 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 no. You should cheer for Utah. As you can tell, we may not agree on things. But we do agree on one thing, right, Benji? We do. Respect is a human decency. It is, and we feel even though we cheer for separate teams, we can still get along and love each other. That's right, that's right. Common courtesy goes a long way, and we want to be the example for you. And the rest of the nation. That's right. Please shout us out. Please shout us out, CNN and BBC and everybody else. (laughs) That's right. In case you didn't know, in case you didn't catch that on, that was uh, Spencer J. Cox and um, I forget the Democratic guy. Peterson running for governor. Peterson, but Peterson, I yeah, he's, he's a U, he's a Utah professor. I should know that. So. Oh, okay. Uh, let's running just for say governor. They put they put out an ad that said they were best friends, even though they're you know running against each other. And Benji and I feel the same way. We do. You know? I thought this, it was this, super cheesy. My first reaction was like, "Wow, do we really need this?" But then after like one minute, I thought, "Yes, yes, we absolutely do need this." Not only in the nation, yeah. the way uh, politics are right now, but even in the state, in the Beehive State, people are at each other's throats. So, hats off to them for giving us the primary level, nursery level lesson that we desperately need right now. Yep, because did someone said it? I don't even know who, so I can't shout them out. I can't remember, but they said that. The era of politics in the world now is either either you're with us or against us, right? Mm-hmm. Which leaves no middle ground, right? It automatically eliminates any middle ground, right? Yeah. So by saying you're either with us or you're against us, it automatically pits you against your opponent, right? Yeah. And, that, and that's that divide and that 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 clashing has been growing ever since social media has been invented. And yeah, it's just it's a toxic, terrible world, especially right now with the the heat of the, the political campaign. And you and I were unifiers, right? We so are. we're here to unify the people and not divide. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like it's not just uh, football that we see ourselves on the opposite. We, we're actually, we're like inverses of each other. I grew up in Utah, uh, moved to Alaska in uh, mid-30s, uh, and, and Jake, you did just the opposite. Yep. Well, technically, kind of, almost. I grew sort up. In, I grew up in Salt Lake until I was fifteen. Then moved to Alaska for high school, and then back to Utah before my mission. Um, but yeah, so I, I, my my formative years were in the Great White North. Your formative years were in Brigham City, and then it's flip flopped. Now we had our paths cross. How we knew each other, we probably t- we've told the story before. But Benji was my dentist in Bountiful. My office was right next door to his. I'd go in there, he'd play with my teeth, and we'd talk about Batman and movies, etc. And then one day he's like, you know, I'm thinking of moving to Alaska. No, you used to live there. And we talked about it in my office for a long time. And here we are, man. He's now up in Alaska. I'm, I'm here in the Beehive State. But we, we both love sports. We both love our Alaskan roots or your current Alaskan heritage. And we love... Love sports, right? Here we Ab- are. Absolutely. And and maybe if it didn't line up perfectly with the years, we'll just say the maturity level. When you, you at age 18 moved to Utah, and, and when I reached that maturity level, I was probably 35 and moved to Alaska. So there, there's still some inverse <laughs> properties there going uh, on. More- that doesn't speak well for you because I still am not at any, any adult maturity <laughs> level. So that means More- 
more on uh, more on Alaska later. We got a few questions coming in that are Alaskan based questions, so we'll we'll kind of save we that do. as a teaser till the end of the end of the show. We have a North and Gold mailbag that we're answering. You That's always right. see it on the National Sports Writer, Stuart Mandel, all the beat writers. Hey, open up the mailbag, send me questions. We've got a mailbag, and we're going to yeah. go through it. It's great. Absolutely. So yeah, let's start off talking about football. So my number one thought for this week, this has been in my head all day. I have never, I've, I've learned about what drugs are like. Like I'm a fan of drugs with, with, uh, with no firsthand experience, you know, like I'm fascinated by, uh, television shows like Breaking Bad right now. I'm watching Breaking Bad again. Uh, some of these narco shows. I, when I was, uh, maybe 23, I read the biography of Pablo Escobar. I was just fascinated by it. So drugs, drugs are like my hobby that I've never actually done. However, I have seen BYU face what many said would be their toughest opponent of the season and open up their very first offensive play with a 78-yard touchdown on a perfectly thrown ball on a play that was extremely well defended when 78 yards touchdown one for one at that moment i believe zach wilson's past quarterback rating was in the thousands i mean it was just you can't script it any better than that and that's got to be what drugs are like right yeah, well, no, I've, I've mentioned it about all the time, and I mean it. Like, when I'm at a Utah game and we're winning big, my brothers and I, we're, like, giddy and we're acting different. And it's, like, it's it's a legit euphoric high, you know? And yeah. I, I love it. And so, I, I dude, it, I, I, I genuinely believe there's a chemical something going on in your brain in moments like that where, it, you know, maybe, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a drug person myself either. <laughs> I mean, when I had my kidney transplant, I, I took... Um, uh, Percocet, and that was amazing. And uh, so that's that's the closest I've ever been to being, you know, a, a druggie. <laughs> and uh, if you're listening and you have better firsthand knowledge than than we do, and you're willing to share, let us know. How does your best sports moment of all time compare to like one high on meth or something like that, or whatever whatever it was you did? Because I've heard meth is great. Meth is like the way they explained it to me. 12 times more powerful than an orgasm and i thought man that's you know that's something i i can relate to (laughs) and uh (laughs) i thought man everything else i'd ever heard about it was like yeah don't do it it'll mess up your life and then suddenly i heard that and thought okay maybe i'll try it once just kidding i will not (laughs) i won't i won't try it once but uh well you see you've seen the uh the meth heads that you see on tv that doesn't look like they've enjoyed themselves they're all pale (laughs) and disheveled and they picked their face so maybe during during it but the after effects may not be good but no if you want to Reach out to us, like Benji said, and let us know your your thoughts on that. We will share anonymously. Yeah, you know, yeah. we won't out you. DMs we're, we're, we're are curious open. How how you are how you are your drug addicted life or your your time on drugs compares to sports highs. Yeah, right. yeah, that was that was an amazing game. Uh, we can break down, and I feel like more of our listeners will relate to this because the vibe I got was that a lot more fans from both teams tuned in to watch this one. Did you watch the Houston game in its entirety? Uh, yeah, I did, and and part of it is, as I mentioned earlier, it was hard to watch games early on in the season, not knowing if we were going to play because right. I just emotionally couldn't do it. I get too angry. Knowing that Utah is going to play now, I was able to tune in. And plus, Houston's been the biggest name you've played so far, right? Yeah. Um, they're you know they're 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 closer to a name brand than anybody else you've played, and so it was it was definitely intriguing. And it didn't go like I thought it would. Um, it BYU opened up on fire, like you said, unstoppable. Where are they at? Fourteen three, like in the matter of minutes, right? Yeah. Just really quick, and then kind of settled in. And Houston came back in the second quarter, and in the third quarter they took a lead, up two scores. 
Um, and it, 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 to honest, honestly, to me at that point, it looked like BYU was in trouble, but flip the switch and like the first quarter, it was like, it was like, oh, okay. It's like, I remember after Utah, BYU played each other in the Vegas bowl, um, and Utah won 35, 28. Somebody made the comment. Yeah, but volleyball scoring, (laughs) BYU won three quarters to one, you know? Honestly, I want to, I want to take credit for that because, but, but here's the thing. I didn't mean it. You know, like I, was like that I you threw really? it out there. I, no, I, I think someone was... really did. I think someone really did, and then everyone kind of really? ran with it. And you, you like made it your own, and like became the volleyball scoring guy. I think someone genuinely said it, and okay, then I'm, making fun of them. I'm gonna go search that because I, I honestly, my memory was like me making fun of my own fan base. You know, saying like, "Oh, we totally would have won if the scoring yeah, no, looked I... this way." But yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll go. We'll research yeah, no, I really that. Think there was someone. Yeah. yeah. Well, so anyway, so here's if, the thing. if you look at the volleyball scoring of this game, then yeah. it, it was two to two, right? BYU oh, yeah. won quarters one and four, and Houston won quarters two and three. So they need a, they need an overtime to play. So you actually won. That's right. That's right. Where you only go to like sudden death eleven rally scoring or whatever volleyball rules. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was the, for for a BYU fan. That was a really fun game because I I don't think any fan, if they're being honest with themselves believed in the middle of the third quarter that we were going to win that game. I mean, and you can read the tweets, like you can read the tweets that people should have deleted about like fire to you. I, I love that Tom Homo quoted somebody else who quoted somebody else. that was the, some podcaster for BYU that was like, this is why we got to get rid of Tuyaki and all this. And so, and it was like that reached Tom Homo in two steps and he was just like, nope. <laughs> you know, Tuiaki's doing really? just fine. Yeah, so there was a lot of, and I'm not that kind of a tweet. I don't go after anyone's job or say we got to do this, we got to do this, because y- you know me, I'm low IQ. I'm not going to sit there and say I know more than these guys who do this full time and have made their whole careers and their lives doing that. So I'm not calling for anyone's job, but you know, there was a sense, even in my own tweets, the the tone of uh, you know, there's there's more to life than football. <laughs> you know, there's there's other yeah, fun yeah. things we can live our lives about, this and that. You know, and I I'd kind of. Made peace with the fact that yeah we're we're not going to win this game and then and BYU we are who they thought we were and all that kind of stuff like that mentality of let's still go have a fun season let's still rally around our team whatever but I don't think any of us thought we were going to win and then the key to in in my mind was defensive adjustments and and so many things had to fall in place uh, one of the amazing things is this whole game was without Kyrus Tonga. He's the stud on the defensive line. He's who you would rely on to provide a pass rush when you're doing a bend but don't break kind of prevent nickel style defense. And he was out. So Zach Daw brought it. I mean, that guy, he was a stud because they they changed up. They brought four men. They started bringing four. And even that, you wouldn't really consider a classic rush. You know, like four linemen running at the quarterback is not a rush. But with four men, they were getting it to They were getting it done. I mean, our four defensive linemen were just bulldozing their offensive line, getting after the quarterback again and again and again threw him out of his rhythm and uh it worked and then the other thing worth pointing out you've got to give major props to uh chris wilcox they and i didn't realize this during the game i'd heard going into it yeah houston's very pass heavy they're a downfield threat we saw all game their quarterback was accurate they had a really good quarterback made a lot of headsy plays tune is his name and uh, all kinds of in tune right? yeah yeah i was just gonna say there are puns puns galore about that uh but man what a stud he was he has an arm he was he was putting the ball where it needed to be and that was kind of what led to uh the game looking like we were going to lose it 
what I didn't realize is they've got one receiver that's head and shoulders above the rest with NFL potential. He finished the game with 19 yards, and Chris Wilcox was the guy that was on him all night. And the fact that we didn't realize that means he was doing his job. He kept the quarterback from looking his way when it did come his way. I know there was one that was a defensive PI, and then one that was questionable. Could have been called either way. There was no call. You know, I mean, there he he locked him down. So, and that I think that gave the uh, offense an opportunity to do what they did. Yeah, that's uh, that's funny you say that about Tom Homo <clears throat> because that is reason number one. I've said this before. I do not tweet during games because mm-hmm. I can't control my emotions. I just literally can't. You know, yeah. I'm a 40 year old man, but I cannot control my emotions watching a game being played by teenagers. I can't. <laughs> I and, and so I I literally turn my phone off during games. I I, I don't even text because I don't, I, just, I don't want the distraction. I, I, I tell Twitter, peace out, see you after. And then I come back and either vent or celebrate hours after the game, right? Because I know I know this for a fact because when, when I watch the basketball, though, I'll tweet during basketball games and I say some stupid, heated stuff <laughs> during yeah. basketball because I hold basketball, it's odd, I hold basketball to a higher standard than I hold our football team to because mm. of how I was raised and where I was raised. I was raised in the 90s with Majerus basketball where it was top five teams I mean, with Andre Miller, we were a two-seed, three-seed, two-seed, three-seed. Like, you know, like four straight years. Like, top-level basketball. So, I'm just... I expect that, whereas football, even though I like football more than basketball, I don't hold it to the same standard because I've been watching years of USC and Alabama and, you know, these, these powerhouses where I just, I'm grateful to have a coach that's got us ranked, right? Where right. And so I hold basketball to a higher standard, and I say some really stupid things. I've gotten in fights with people before. So that's why I don't tweet during games because crap like stuff like that I, I could say that will backfire but not only that but people it can get to anybody nowadays it can get to the the player i'm ripping on or the defensive coordinator or in tom homo's case the guy who's over his job you know and Mm so that one thing i've noticed about tom homo that i really like is he he handles twitter so well you know he will take stuff from Ute fans and turn it back on them or he will just he will deflect some of the, the non-stop criticism from some of the BYU fans that go at him giving him advice, you know, stuff like that. So he's really mm-hmm. good. But, but yeah, man, it was impressive how BYU looked to have their back against the wall. Looked like, okay, all the momentum's in favor of Houston. And then fourth quarter came and they flipped the switch. And the, 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 there's a couple of things that I thought were really important. After BYU scored a touchdown to cut it to six, I believe, mm-hmm. um, they did the onside kick, right? Oh, yeah. Caught, oh, yeah. Caught Houston completely off guard. And got the ball back. They didn't score from getting that play, but what they did is they let their de- their their uh, defense rest more, right? Right. Um, and H- and Houston's defense was already back on the field, had to had to go back on. So I think that flipped the momentum because even getting something like that that then um, you know Houston starts to press. Oh crap! Now they've got the ball again. BYU's got all this energy, and it totally changes the momentum of the game. Even mm-hmm. if, even though they didn't score, right? So I thought that was huge. And then I think the big the the I can't remember which touchdown it was, but that pass from Zach Wilson. To Milne in the end zone. Oh yeah, to, I think it was fourth down, right? Wasn't it fourth down? Um, and he just dropped this like beautiful pass that was like perfectly thrown. At yeah. that point, I was like, oh man, this, this it was, dude's got it, man. I absolutely love when coaches do that. I believe it was fourth and short, you know, and it would have been a long field goal or something like that. And they just went uh-huh. ahead and scored the touchdown on that play. And and you love Jeff Grimes will do that sometimes. I mean, he does these these like face palm, what are you thinking kind of play calls so often where you think, well, just get the easy first down. Why do you have to do this? Why do you have to do that? And then it, when it works, you say, man, I hope Grimes is with us forever because it's so brilliant. And that pass was perfect. I saw an angle today that uh, one of the 
I think BYU's own crew, this wasn't an ESPN guy, but a BYU guy that was there with the camera, uh, had this angle where it was coming towards him in the end zone. And so you see Milne close up in the corner of the end zone. He was getting face masked while he made that catch. It was so beautiful, like to see the ball placement, to see him focus, concentrate. There's a face mask. His head gets jerked to the side, and he still holds on to it. And yeah, that was a that was a pivotal play for the outcome of the game. And so I mean, I I love that play. That it was it was Man, beautiful. See, this is a football is is a release from real life, right? It's yeah. fun. It's a high. I, I'm jealous of you because I don't have any of that right now. I'm just sitting here. Hoping we play, but I, I think of a play that, that was similar in emotion to me was in 2018, the first year we won the South, Tyler Huntley's junior year. We had just lost to Washington State. We were 2-2. Two and two. We went on the road against ranked Stanford. We took a huge lead. They were coming back. I think we're only up four late in the fourth quarter. It was third and long. They blitz Tyler Huntley. They wrap him up. He escapes the sack and just chucks it down the sideline right to Samson Nakua in stride for a touchdown, and we won that game. And I just remember thinking, what a freaking brilliant pass and play by Tyler Huntley. He's been maligned for two years as maybe a run-first quarterback, but this right here shows me he's a passing quarterback, and it's awesome. And I think that's the same thing kind of with, with Zach Wilson. To me, anyway, that was kind of a, a moment like, okay, man, this kid's this kid's got it. You know, he, yeah. had, he had his first couple years where he struggled a little bit here and there. He had more pick sixes to Utah players than t- touchdown passes against his own team. But now I feel like he's had he's put in his time. He's an upperclassman. And that play to me is like, dude, this, this kid's got it, man. He's, he's a baller. Oh, yeah. Playing out of his mind. I, and, and we could do a whole podcast on just Zach Wilson with how impressive. I'd have to do my research because it, here's the funny thing. It's an inside joke. You'd have joke. to get another partner. I wouldn't, rec- I wouldn't do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> I, just, I just go back. We have enough uh, audio from this is season three. I can just I can splice reaction comments yeah, from you. you can. We, can, we can fake that. We can make it happen. Yeah, here's the could. thing I love so much about it. It's a joke within our own fan base. We love... Most of us, I'll speak for the entire fan base, not everyone's on board. Most of us love independence. Most of us love several things about independence. One of them is that so often we're a marquee game on ESPN, and ESPN recognizes we got a whole new audience. This isn't just BYU fans. This is We're putting this out there for the country. And so every season, you hear the same thing 10 different times. I mean, before it was... Uh, Tanner Mangum was just in Chile a few months ago, and then uh, it was all kinds of, oh, man, what have they been through the years? Zach Wilson grew up a Utah fan, was last year's thing. This year, it's Zach Wilson drove 10 hours every weekend to work out with John Beck, and we've heard that every single game, which which is cool. And the thing that I, I like, though, that we picked up this time that I hadn't realized before is they talked about what a film guru he is. They're saying on the airplane, on every, like he eats drinks, sleeps, breathes football, he will have his film breakdown available all the time. And so not only does he study himself and the other team, he's learning the habits of every defender he's going to be throwing against. He's looking at how they respond to each throw. He's doing that level of homework on who he's about to face. And maybe most quarterbacks do that. I don't know. Maybe it's just this is my guy that I follow, and so I'm just learning that. But he does that. He watches film on himself, and then he watches film on, it was like three or four different NFL quarterbacks. I know uh, Aaron Rodgers was one. Uh, He's in the past worked out with Drew Brees. I think Drew Brees was one of them. But he's doing all this study and mentally, I mean, 
that's the thing is is you can look at just the numbers and the schedule and say, oh, of course he's doing well. Look who he's playing. But when you watch him, when you watch the throws that he makes, when you watch how he's doing what he's doing, there is no doubt in my mind that he has worked himself into this spot. Like if it was just easy, why? There's a million other quarterbacks out there that are facing just as easy of a schedule. Why aren't they doing it? You know, it's not just an easy schedule. He has put in the work, the effort. He's got the talent. I love the maturity. And and he just, he seems like mentally he is where he needs to be. You can tell he is laser focused on finding his spot in the NFL and he's going to do it. I, I believe in him. I think he's going to find his way there sooner rather than later. Well, good. That'd be good for him. We know any, anytime you get another youth fan in the NFL, that's good, right? <laughs> yes. So, hey, um, let's talk dude, about. You bring up a point. Yeah. You okay. Go ahead. Hold on. You bring, you, bring, you bring up a point about the media, um, and dude, I think it's that it's that way with everybody because I heard for four years every game, Drez Anderson's Flipper Anderson's son. <laughs> yes. Everyone, in case you didn't know this, Drez Anderson is Flipper Anderson's son, and then four the next four years was Andy Phillips is actually used to be a member of the U.S. Ski Team. Like uh-huh. every game, it's just what they do, man. They find a piece and they like to. But here's here's the difference. Growing up, you know, the football that we listened to in the and watched in the '90s and the '80s, they knew their audience was just fans of that team. You know, like on the Mountain West Network, you weren't hearing those same things all the time because they like, yeah, we've all been together all year. You know this by now. And uh, and I, Pac-12 Network, maybe they feel like they have more of an audience, so they are doing things like that. But but as as BYU fans, there's a noticeable difference between the old KSL broadcasts that were just local, not national, and then the Mountain West Network. And then, or the the mountain, whatever. I think it was just called the mountain, right? Um, but yeah, the the more the more often you get shown on that showcase marquee game, the more you're going to hear the same things over and over. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's funny stuff. So what uh, what was your you were you were switching? You were asking me a question. Former quarterback of Utah and and legendary quarterback of Utah, Scott Mitchell, believes that Zach Wilson should declare for the NFL draft after this season because the the old way of thinking or the the line of thinking there is strike while the iron is hot. And gosh dang it, this iron is hot. He's getting all the press. People are talking about him. His name's out there. Uh, I want to say there's a there's an argument for and against doing that. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that? I saw you'd kind of interacted well, I- a little bit with this idea out there. I think, I think, dude, you have to in in the NFL where nothing is guaranteed, right? I mean, they're they have they're starting to have bigger signing bonuses, but you could be cut like that, right? And so yeah. nothing is guaranteed. I I I go by that mantra, dude. Strike while the iron is hot. I'll give you one example. Matt Barkley at USC. He after his junior year was like the toast of the town. They were they were really they. I think they had just gone ten and. They just run the Pac-12, but they were on probation, so they couldn't um, participate in the championship game. But they were mm. they were awesome, and it was like, oh, he's, he'll be a top ten pick. He'll be a top ten pick. He decided to come back for his senior year, had a so-so year. It was like a fourth round pick, and never mm. really got the chance. He, I mean, he got starting roles, but when you're when you're a first round pick, they invest so much in you. They're gonna ride you till you fail you know if you're a fourth round pick they'll give you your chance here and there but i I just think dude look how much money matt barkley missed out on as a first round top 10 draft pick you get life-changing money right 15 20 million dollar signing bonuses money that changes your life as a fourth round quarterback you're getting like two three million dollar contracts you know so right right i think in the nfl especially absolutely strike strike while the iron's hot if if after this year dude because you're right he is getting so much pub 
um, from people. Part of it is the fact that he's playing incredible. Part of it is there's nobody west of the Mississippi playing football, right? So right. he has the stage to himself, right? So I think, yeah, if his goal is the NFL, then honestly, after this year, go. Because next year, you play seven P5 teams, the schedule's harder, and just... You know, logically, you're not. He, he's not going to dominate every game like he has been, right? So I think, yes, yeah, strike while it's hot. Take your money, go. But I think the funny thing is, is the people that have spun it saying, "Oh, you guys don't want to play Zach Wilson." I knew it. You know, that kind of stuff. Like, shut up, man. Why are, Come on. Why, why are you guys so scared all of a sudden? You're scared. <laughs> um, here's the thing. I I've been thinking because this after kind of reading some of the back and forth on that, I've been thinking about it, and I like that. Uh, ultimately, it's his decision. And, and here's the thing. What Scott Mitchell says, I think, tells you what Scott Mitchell believes is going on. So if you say you got to go right now, I think you're believing there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors and it's not reality and you're going to be able to take advantage of something that's not accurate. Do you, you know what I'm saying? Sure, the, sure. The, yeah, the publicity is there, but you're not actually that good. So hurry and sign while someone's going to pay you more money than you're worth. Uh, that being said, I, I feel like... If you take the opposite point of view, what I think Zach Wilson believes about Zach Wilson is, no, this is legit, and I'm willing to prove it. There's something to be said about, like, if he goes this year and there's four or five guys ahead of him, I mean, you've got the, obviously, uh, the Clemson, Trevor Lawrence is, is likely uh-huh. number one, maybe even number one overall. And uh, you got the Alabama guy who's just balling out. I mean, it would be a no-brainer for him to declare for the same reason. So... Yeah. I, I think if he goes, he's going to be the fourth, fifth quarterback drafted, which puts you probably later in the rounds where your signing bonus isn't as big. If he really believes in himself and, and a guy who wears prove them wrong on his wrist every game of his entire career, I think he believes in himself. He's going to look at it and say, no, 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 I'm first rounder or I'm nothing. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to show you that I'm first rounder or nothing. So I, I feel like him knowing that, yeah, this is the amount of work I'm putting in. I can make these throws against. And, and that's not to get too sidetracked here. That's what I loved about the Houston game. Those defenders were legit. So you got you got games like uh, like Tennessee last year when they made the throw to win the game and the defender had fallen down and the guy had no one around him for 10 yards. And you say, oh, yeah, any idiot could have made that throw. Of course, BYU won on, on the game because the guy slipped. Houston game was not like that. They won this game because Zach was as as accurate as he needed to be. Those defenders were just inches away time and time and time again. And so, yeah, put any defender against that. You make those windows. You can't really make them much narrower than they were. He was making good throws against good defense. Now, I understand the the star rating of the recruits and the level of uh, skill level of defenders not quite there, Houston versus a USC or whoever. Uh, but that being said, when you got good defense in the moment, your defense is good and you're still making that throw. So all that is to say, I think Zach Wilson believes in himself enough that if he really, if he gets the financial advice of no, hold out to where you're the first or second or maybe even the third quarterback drafted, and it will be worth it financially. You hold off for a year and you end up with something like twenty million more dollars bonus signing bonus money or something. I don't know what the numbers are, Uh, but if there is financial incentive, I see him coming back. Furthermore. Prove them wrong. You know, you, you don't have to know too much of his story. Or, you know, a little bit of his backstory that he got overlooked by his dream school. I think he would be a little bit bummed or, or look back with regret if he did not get one more shot at taking on Utah. And I, it, whether that's enough to drive somebody emotionally to make that kind of a life decision, uh, who knows? We'll see. But I think he would regret not having one more shot. 
I think that's a huge. That's honestly, that's a, that's one of the biggest factors, if not. I mean, I don't know. I I don't know what he's thinking, but to me, that would be a big factor. You know, if I grew up wanting to play BYU, play for BYU, they didn't offer me. I ended up playing at Utah, and I hadn't beat BYU. Yeah, I'd absolutely want another shot. But like you said, I mean, there's 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 two sides of each coin. But it is regardless if if he wants to prove him wrong or if he feels like he can be better, it is a risk, man. If yeah. he's if he's this hot, it is a risk because next year you don't know. I mean, I, I you could point out dudes after dudes that should have gone earlier, but there's also some that worked their way into a, a contract. Look at Joe Burrow. If right. he left after his junior year, he would have been just probably a fifth or sixth, seventh round pick, right? Yeah, Something like that. But he came for back sure. for his senior year and looked number one overall pick, and he's doing really pretty good for yeah. for the Bengals right now. You know, and so there's there's always both sides of the argument. I guarantee you, it doesn't matter what it is, he's not going to think staying is going to hurt him. He won't think right. that. You know, right. he'll either think I can go now because the iron's quote unquote hot, or I can come back and prove myself against tougher competition next year and be. Be whatever. I don't. He's not going to say, "Well, I'm going to come back, but it's going to hurt me." But I want to beat Utah. That's not going to be in his right. decision making because right. he, does, he doesn't believe that, and nobody would believe that. Nobody in his position would think I'm going to get worse or it's going to be worse next year. It's just yeah. you know, it's well, just human nature. So what's always in the back of your mind though is is the idea of uh, the injury, and and now to what extent the uh, the family or personnel. I, I I believe Lloyd's of London will come up with policies that are creative if if that's a legit concern. You know, if you if you can make a case to Lloyd's of London and say, "Hey, I'm." to play one more year of football if i throw down ten thousand dollars to insure me against a disabling injury or whatever and then it pays out three million or something like that you know i mean there's i don't know what the numbers are yeah. again we if you're if you are a former drug using now economist numbers <laughs> guy that knows what these numbers are nfl agent if you're an nfl agent that does this for a living yes. try to give us a call actually you know what i have a uh, david Cantor, eric weddell's agent oh yeah followed me on Twitter, on my old mighty Alaskan Ute, not, okay. not the new Jake Jake Johnson, but I would interact with him all the time. In fact, he, he asked me for some recommendations for sandwich shops in Salt Lake when he was coming in once. Oh, nice! Um, because one year, as as many of our listeners know, my brother gave me his kidney when I was nineteen. I had a kidney transplant, okay. and so one year to, to as an anniversary present for the fifteen year, I wanted to get him a present. So I, I bought a black helmet and I wanted Eric Weddle to sign it. So I reached out to David Cantor, explained it to him. He said, absolutely send me the helmet. So I sent it to him and he got Eric Weddle to sign it. And he said, Josh, you're the real hero. Thanks for your sacrifices. Eric Weddle. Right. And no so it was way. a gift That's I gave awesome. my brother. Yeah. It was so cool. And so from that point on, I, we were Twitter friends and like every now and then I interact with him and he interacted with me. So I bet you if I went and sent him a DM, he'd get, in fact, that's my homework for next week. I'm going to have right. report back from an NFL agent, David Cantor, on on what um, the difference is between a first-round NFL quarterback and, say, a fourth-round NFL quarterback and see what he would advise someone. See if he can – maybe yeah. he'll tell me, maybe not. I don't know. Find out, too, how common it is for amateur athletes to insure themselves, uh, you know, how that factors into it. Because, yeah, if you, if you had that peace of mind knowing, well, okay, I'm going into a little bit of debt to cover this premium for this insurance policy, but that's my fail-safe. One way or another, I'll get paid uh, – yeah, I'd, I'd be curious about that. I'm, I'm a yeah. People do yeah. it. I know. I, I've, I can't remember. Do you remember that? Oh, was that running back from Miami years ago? Oh, Willis McGahey. Remember him? Yeah. In, in in the early 2000s, with when Miami was really good. Yeah. All those the Jeremy Shockey and and all those like um all, all that Kellen Winslow years. All those guys. Right. Um, 
they were really good. I remember Willis McGahee, he he came back and he wanted to go, but I think he got insured. And then in the title game against Ohio State, he blew his ACL out. Remember that? Yes. He's like shredded it. Yes, and I remember like that. It, but that was agent, quite the like, game too. That was a really yeah, close game, right? Dude, I had been home for a mission for two two years, I think, and I had served in Ohio, in Columbus. And so I was kind of an Ohio State fan back yeah. then at that point because I was fresh from a mission, and I was going nuts for the Buckeyes. Now I, I hate them because now that I've been around for 20 years and see how they're always winning. Anyway, I think Willis McGahee got insurance, and he never really was much of an NFL running back. Yeah, um, interesting. Anyway. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So. Cool. All right, man. So who you guys got? You got, I mean, basically, your next two games are just. Yeah. We we Name have the score games, we have right? taken on this is kind of I was explaining to my kids I was like all right we played a team from Texas in San Antonio we played another team from Texas in Houston and now we're playing a team called Texas State like we're just we're just we're doing the uh, the whole taking on everybody in Texas but yeah it is Texas State uh, and this I know I've, it sounds like we've said this before this will be a truly easy game uh, they're bad. They're really bad. Everybody else, I said, I was like, oh, yeah, it'll be a blowout. They're bad. Uh, UTSA actually brought it. I mean, they were physical. They were aggressive. They Like, there's been there's been some interesting competition. But, uh, no, this should be – there is no excuse. This would be – I don't know what the Vegas odds are. I think BYU is favored by over 30. Um, yeah. So, really not much to talk about, break down with this. I'm just interested to see, uh, see everybody get their numbers – in the first half, get out of this game injury-free, move on to the next one. And I don't think it's too early to look ahead to Boise State, which we could talk more about that when we get there. But I've thought about it, and I've got my reasons. It's BYU is going to be just fine against that team. No, and it's it comes it's basically your season is Boise State at this point. That's yeah. what it is, right? Yep. I mean, if you win that, there's no way you're losing anyone else at yeah. this point, right? So it comes well, down to this. and. And we'll, we'll, like you said, we'll break it down and talk about it when it gets closer because there's still a couple weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. I, just I, as I, think, a, I mean, this is this is the game, the, the game on your schedule now. As, as a teaser, I'll say San Diego State hates us and they have surprised us in the past. I think the last time we played, San Diego State won. And so uh, it's a potential, you know, that's that's one I'm maybe just a 5% nervous level about because it's possible. Um, but, yeah, Boise State, I think I think the toughest game of the regular season is the one we just played, and, man, that was awesome. So, yeah, looking ahead, we're looking at the New York Six Bowl. Hold up. You, yeah. you think the toughest game was Houston tougher than Boise? When you looked at the, uh, yeah, the odds – um, like if you you know how you pull up the schedule on ESPN it'll give you the percent chance of every game going ahead BYU only yeah, had yeah, a yeah. 53% chance of beating Houston and uh, and I think Boise was closer to 60 65 something like that um, really that surprises me yeah now that be well but you know Boise State they're they're just kind of just getting going now there's a lot of unknowns you know by the time that game arrives it, it may be a different story it may be that they're favored I'm actually really excited this weekend for Boise State to take on the uh, Utah Junior Aggies. varsity team you got you got the <laughs> yeah. Utah JV and uh, and that should be fun because like we mentioned the players are familiar uh, I'm excited to see what what Boise looks like this year. Yeah, Shelley's uh, the starting quarterback there at yeah. uh, Utah State, and as we know, Shelley uh, will always go down in my my book is the man who won us the South title in 2018. Huntley mm-hmm. gets injured at Arizona State for the rest of the year. Shelley comes in and his first game starting against Justin Herbert and the Oregon Ducks, who were an eight or nine win team that year, so they were a good team and won that game with no Zach Moss, no Tyler Huntley. So I will always love. 
and respect my man Jay Shell. So yeah, I'm actually yeah. I'm excited about that game too because I'm excited to see Shelly Bono Shelly, former BYU great running back Devontae Henry Cole. Yes, you know? yes, BYU legend. <laughs> BYU legend DHC. So and then I, there's a couple Utes that transferred who were kind of out there who everyone's thinking they may end up there also, but. There's no news on them, and they obviously won't play this weekend. This is my very favorite thing about that. Devontae Henry Cole transfers to BYU. BYU, I love and respect as a photographer BYU photo. They do a phenomenal job. Like, I love when they release their photos – I'm I'm looking at them like all right how they do this shot you know and just thinking creatively of like this and that so BYU did a sweet photo shoot of him in the BYU gear you know to announce hey here's our new player and like they've got the lighting just right is like stubble is sticking out and everything and so you know it's it's a it's this cool shot well shortly thereafter he announces he's transferring to Utah State. It's the exact same photo that Utah State officially, like, they used that photo with a Photoshop jersey to announce that one. And it's like, what? Come on, guys. You can't even do your own That's photos. Cute. But, uh, you know, no harm, no foul. I it, we I think we laughed about it. Like, all right, yeah, just That's change funny. the homework a little bit so teacher doesn't know. Okay, couple things before I switch yeah. gears here. Yeah. Um, there, this you know with Utah not playing, there's not a lot of Utah talk. So what I want to do for our listeners now is yeah. I want to have a hypothetical discussion. It's all the rage on Utah <laughs> Sports Talk Radio right now. Hypothetical okay. games, hypothetical whatevers. So let's talk about it, man, because there's no Utah football to talk about. So let's yeah. talk about if Utah and BYU played. Let's each make a case. I'll let you go first. Why all BYU right. would win, and then I'll go with my turn. Why Utah would win? Go ahead. Okay, so. I do, I do this all the time when I'm a teacher, when I'm, like, teaching people. I'll, like, start off with something that is, like, yeah, there's nothing to do with anything, and then I'll tie it in. So, uh, dating my wife, I was thrilled on, like, our second or third date. We played ping pong, and she beat me. And I was, it was like, you'd be like but, but, but Benji, why were you thrilled that she beat you? You know, losing sucks, all that, right? Well, I was happy because all of my life, playing ping pong with a date is boring because I'm good. You know, and so it's oh, like, yeah. all right, I'll play with my left hand, whatever. So to the very first time I played my wife and she beats me, I was like, I never have to go easy on her ever again. Like she beat me the first time we played. That means the rest of our lives, I can try as hard as I want playing her because she's good. And I was like, this, this is a, this is who I want to. Ma-. I didn't know right then that I wanted to marry her, but that, I mean, that was a huge thing in the plus column. Like, all right, here's someone I can actually play. So since then, huge I've turn learned, on for you, huh? Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah, big, big time. Stock went way up after that date. Um, <laughs> and then as I got to know her better, another thing, she was like really good at target shooting. She owned a Glock. She was shooting her pistol all the time. And I wasn't like super way into guns, but you know, it's kind of, it's kind of a. Also a turn on, you know, like, hey, here's someone who can handle a weapon. So we'd go shooting yes, <laughs> up, uh, we'd drive up Logan Canyon together and go shoot a bunch of things. She was way better than me at, at, at target shooting. And so fast forward a few years later, we find ourselves playing laser tag. She dominates at laser tag. Like this, people would not ever guess that about her because she's just a small, you know, not really uh, overbearing personality, you know, when she's in the room, we're all hanging out, but she's just this sweet little girl. And she is so freaking competitive and deadly accurate with her aim that she is like taking aim and just, I mean, her stats in laser tag are incredible. And I wanted so bad to beat her last time. It was like an every man for himself kind of a laser tag thing. And so there's me and her and like 20 teenagers, you know, cause we're just out on this date and, and it's whoever's there shows up and I beat her one time. And the only way I beat her was I had to beat everybody. I couldn't beat her unless I beat everyone in the room. 
And that is how I feel when when Kalani Sataki says it is an honor to call Utah our rival. Any reasonable, level-headed, objective BYU fan is going to admit Utah is good. They're phenomenal. They've had a great decade, and I want to beat them so bad. But to build the team that can beat Utah, we're going to have to build the team that can beat everybody. And I feel like we're close. I feel like Utah is the rival. They're good. They've been dominating all over. You know, the Pac-12 made the jump from G5 to P5 better than anybody was going to expect them to. Well, maybe not the diehard Ute fans. You get, you guys saw it coming. Most of us didn't think they were going to make that good and that dominant of a transition. Um, but those games have been close, you know. I mean, you, you've got a handful of games I can think of right now. Taysom Hill on that final two-point conversion. That's how close that game was, you know. We are that close. So, all that being said, if they were to play right now, I would say from what I've seen of this team, putting a lot of the credit to Zach Wilson, to Kyrus Tonga, to Zach Da, uh, Troy Warner, uh, you know, I mean, I could just go on and on. There's been so many playmakers. I think BYU has a better shot right now than they've had in a decade. And I've said that, but I've said that before. But I mean, man, I could just the, the reasons are there. And then you look at the Utah side of the thing. Yeah, they've maybe gotten better at some positions. They maybe have a better quarterback than they did last year, and they had a great quarterback last year. But we don't know. You know, they're they're unproven. And so you say, okay, BYU is a known quantity at least against some kind of mid-level, lower-tier competition. But they're a known quantity, and I I don't see any weakness. I don't see anything where I say, here's why Utah beats us because of us. I do see some maybe here's why Utah beats us because of Utah, but that's an unknown quantity. So if I if you had to make me gamble a million dollars on the outcome of a game and I could pick any game, you know, in the next four or five years, I'm picking this year. I, I like our chances this year. And it's not freaking gonna happen and it's not fair. But I, I like it. I, I think, by the way, hypothetically, uh, I don't see how you could make an argument that it would be a dominant Utah win. That, that it, hold on. So you th- hypothetically, you, you don't see how I can make an argument that it would be? An, that that, that, that it would be a Utah dominant okay. win, hands down, no question, you gotcha. know, all that stuff. I mean, the pieces have been in place the last few years where you could say that. You could say, yeah, BYU doesn't know who their quarterback's going to be, and Utah's got, like, Zach Moss, the freaking best running back in the nation, you know? So there's years when you could say, oh, yeah, Utah's going to dominate. Why are we even talking about this? I don't think you can say that this year, but I'm going to let you go ahead and gotcha. say that. Go ahead and say it. Gotcha. Well, this is, this is a, I mean, obviously this hypothetical discussion is extra hypothetical because Utah hasn't even done it, hasn't played, right? Right, so right. In, in years past, it's like, okay, well, this is what BYU's done against these teams. This is what Utah's done against these teams. That's why Utah will win, right? We can't yeah. do that because Utah, Utah's got so many unknowns. So it's not only is it hypothetical, but it's extra hypothetical. But here's hypothetically why I think, okay? You say Utah hasn't dominated. I mean, the la- I mean last year we did, we did, you know, it was 30 to 12, and we, we took a knee on the two-yard line, right? I mean, yeah. it, it, it easily could have been 37, whatever. We had the ball the last 10 minutes during the rain delay. Um, but here's why, as you know, Benjamin, I am um, – I'm, I'm very data driven, right? And and okay. I like I like I like facts. So I, I put together some uh, a few graphs. That's a right? real chart. Is there there's things <laughs> to that? A couple charts that okay. I wanted to show you. Oh, and nice. As a as a as a audio podcast, this really won't do much, but it'll it'll help me in my discussion <laughs> with you, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So what I did is I got some white pieces of paper <laughs> and I made some graphs, and I'm gonna go over a couple reasons why I think Utah wins this year. And it's based on what we've been doing, right? So mm-hmm. I basically did this last decade. You can see from chart number one, Utah is the, the pink line, which okay. is a shade of red, right? BYU yeah. is the blue line. What this chart represents 
is Utah's recruit ra- recruiting ranking over the last decade. I Starting had a feeling in 2012, you were going there. Yeah. All right. Go on. That, that's what, what, one of my points. Yeah. 2012, they were pretty close, right? Uh, uh-huh. When the decade started. But since then, the graph has gone uh, p- wider apart to the point where 2000, 2000s classes last year, Utah's was ranked 29th, BYU's 81st, right? So we've been recruiting really well for a decade, right? Mm-hmm. This, this chart here, as you can see, is another beautiful chart. Utah is the pink, BYU is the blue. This one here is, again, this is all building a case for the last decade of dominance for Utah. This one here is NFL players drafted in the last decade. As you can see here, since 2011, BYU has six, Utah has 31, which just speaks to the level of players we have in our program. And lastly, the most important graph, head-to-head wins, as you can see there. (laughs) Utah has nine. BYU is not on this graph. Jake took the time to fill in, like he colored in this whole, like this is a full-size page um, column that he made. That's yeah, impressive. Maybe maybe we'll take snapshots and you can post it on Twitter with the with the podcast in case I people so, are yeah. interested. So you can see my penmanship, I scribbled in to color it. The most important, nine wins to zero. Here's the thing. Utah has talent in their program. Yes, they lost Tyler Huntley. Yes, they lost Zach Moss. Yes, they lost nine defensive starters. But you know what? The dudes we have coming in behind them were higher rated than any of the guys they lost. All of our quarterbacks were higher rated than Tyler Huntley ever was. Our running backs is an embarrassment of riches at running back. The, the the question was Jordan Wilmore or Devin Brumfield this year. Well, all of a sudden, out of the blue comes his name. People, uh, Kyle Whittingham keeps telling us about Ty Jordan, Ty Jordan, Ty Jordan, true freshman out of Texas. You look at the dude's offer list, Wisconsin, Texas, Oklahoma, USC, Oregon. High-level schools. So all of our running backs are were really talented coming in and really highly recruited. We have a lot of dudes back that are talented, and they're young. Yes, granted they're young, but they, they have a lot of talent. And most importantly, the man at the head of the job, Kyle Whittingham, has been on the job for 20 years, and he is one of the best 15 coaches in America, in my opinion. And he just he's, – he's awesome. He's a good coach. And so that, my friend, based on the fact that our talent – that we've been building for years. The guys now are more talented than the guys that were there the last three or four years. Um, I just think I think Utah's got the mental edge. Like you said, your players want it. You've had players like Matt Bushman say this is his Super Bowl. And Zach Wilson, prove him wrong because he was overlooked by Utah. The mental edge belongs to Utah. We've got a ton of talent, and that's why Utah would hypothetically win this game regardless of how well Zach Wilson and the BYU Cougars are playing. I I like the logic. I like the homework. I like the uh, that's a good argument. And I can't argue with it. Here's a here's a thought that was going through my head while you were talking. I if I'm trying to be objective and say, all right, I'm not no dog in the fight. I'm just watching a program down the street and watching them grow. Uh, Utah's trajectory is incredible. And I would say it is as likely for Utah to win a national championship in the next six years as it is for BYU to beat Utah in the next six years. Whoa. Right? I, I wouldn't even say that. No, I don't think so. I don't. Okay, yeah. Which, yeah, one, yeah, yeah, which yeah, one's yeah, more yeah. likely to happen? Which one's less likely to happen? Um. BYU is more likely to beat Utah if we're being legit honest. You just Utah's said BYU. Dude, you just said BYU is going to beat Utah. Okay, yeah, no, I'm just, I said you. I up. said the go, more go likely. Ahead. Go ahead. Dude, the the system, bro. The system is stacked against everyone but a handful of five eight teams to win a national title. LSU, uh, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, they keep getting. 
the five. Dude, there, there's an article I read about five star recruits. Like Alabama has more five star recruits than the entire Big Ten. Like wow. the entire Big Ten. Like yeah. the top level talent just keeps going there. So it is impossible for teams, anyone outside, in my opinion, the way the system's set up, any team outside the top five or six. I mean, you look you look at since the playoffs been around, it's always Bama, it's always Clemson, and it's always Ohio State. Where you cycle in that fourth team is Oklahoma or Washington one year or Oregon one year. I mean, there's been I think there's been I can't remember the exact stats, but there's been like 17 spots or something. I can't remember, but more than like 60% of all the playoff spots have gone to two teams. Like that's just it's just the way it's set up. Here's why you got to believe in Utah, though. When you look at the coaches who do, do more with less, and it's been a long time since I've delved deep into the numbers, but back when BYU was looking for their next coach, I did. I looked at recruiting profiles, and I put them side to side with results, and I said, holy cow, Bronco Mendenhall is amazing at that. Kyle Whittingham is also amazing at that. Gary Patterson is amazing at that. And it's easier to do when you're recruiting profiles in the 80s. You can say, oh, look, we finished in the 30s. Look at how cool that is. Ken Neomatu Lolo is better than... Than anyone in the nation in that because navy doesn't have a lot of recruiting advantages i mean they're they're all the respect in the world to the young men who choose to go there and play football there but it's not appealing to a lot of people and he year in year out turns out these great teams um less miles surprisingly had one of the best for being a top 10 his recruiting profile was in the top 10 and he still finished better than expected um so with that in mind i i feel like if Utah is getting better and better and better every year, and so you mentioned right now the recruits are better than they've ever had. Well, if they turn that into success, which I have no reason to doubt that they will, that will continue. And so maybe six years was being a little too uh, too uh, eager, too optimistic if I'm a Utah fan. Uh, but I don't think it's – I guess what you're looking at is, is uh, old man – time the clock how much time does Whittingham have left to be an active I mean it's a tough job is he going to be able to get there before it's time for him to step down but it could happen I could see it easily happening maybe 10 years if that trend continues people are starting to look around I mean you'd mentioned last episode you got the Ohio State guy who says nah I'm going to Utah look what uh Jalen Dixon did or not Jalen that's the other one the uh Johnson he, he's yeah, the stud, Johnson. like the guy that's just balling out in the NFL this year, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so you've got yeah, these specific position groups where you'd say, why would you go anywhere but Utah? You know, I'm the, if I'm a secondary player looking to make an A for myself, I'm going to Utah. Yep. You're, you, you nailed it in a couple a couple points. Um, and I, I agree with you. The way that recruiting has been trending, like this amazing graph that I showed you a yes. minute ago, it has gone up to where now we're in the top 25, 30 range for recruiting, whereas when we're in the beginning of the Pac-12, it was in the 40s and 50s, right? So if that continues to go up, yes, I think Wick could eventually maybe turn us in. And, dude, let's be honest. A lot of a lot of BYU fans will want to hear it, but if we win that freaking game last year against Oregon, we're in the playoffs. That mm-hmm. It can't be disputed. It was us or Oklahoma, and we were ahead of Oklahoma for three straight weeks. They had the chance to put Oklahoma to jump Utah three weeks in a row after they beat ranked teams, and they freaking didn't. And we were going in a championship game, the fifth-ranked team in the country, and if we had freaking won that game, we'd be in the playoffs. Okay, so we are close as it is, but you're right. If this recruiting trend improves and we get more Clark Phillip, Jalen Johnson-type players, that's the key. 
Yeah. I mean, you can have you can have the greatest greatest coach in the world, but like Jimmy Johnson always said, it's not about the X's and O's; it's about the Jimmys and Joes. If you can get those players right, the top level players, then maybe we can have a chance. But as it is right now, we're getting a Jalen Johnson every three years, and it's a Clark Phillips every three or four years. We need four or five of those guys a class, right? If we can take that leap and get those guys, then I could say maybe we're in a position to win the national championship. But until then, I think our ceiling is challenging for the Pac-12 championship. That's just well, being. For yes. sure. And, but that's the thing is if you're dominating in a P5 conference, you're not that far out. I mean, look, Clemson, they've got a weak conference. What is the ACC without them? But the year yep. in, year out, yep. they find their way to the title anyway. And so, I mean, that's, yep. it's there. It's not that big of a leap. So I would say, I mean, for all of our fans, best case scenario, within six years, BYU beats Utah and Utah wins the national championship, ideally in the same year. Wouldn't that be something? I'll take, dude, if you're kidding me, if, if it made Utah win a national championship and BYU beating us that year, I'd have BYU win 100 to nothing. I wouldn't care. You know? Seriously. Seriously, dude. I'll take that trade off all freaking day. I would yeah. take that trade off all freaking day long. Okay. But back to your initial question. Be, what happens more likely in the next few years? BYU beating Utah, Utah national championship. I just, sorry, man. BYU, BYU beat Utah. It's just, it's it's more realistic. Then, I, I think you're right. These, these are these are man. I've got all kinds of poll questions we're gonna throw out there this weekend and see how the fans feel on that. Because because uh, yeah, that would be an interesting one to throw out there. How many fans would take it? Uh, not not 100 nothing. Something reasonable. Something like 54-10. BYU beats Utah 54-10, yeah. and Utah wins the national championship. Of course, you take that if you're a Utah fan because it's a national championship. I'm curious yeah. to know: Do BYU fans take it or leave it? You know, I mean, we're so desperate to beat Utah, but. Kind of, it's kind of cool being the only team with the national championship trophy in our trophy case. You know, if we lose, Whatever, that, dude, I'm looking at my Anders. I'm looking at my Anderson Hester <laughs> trophy right now. In fact, here it is, man. You Anderson Hester. Actually, that's my pickleball trophy. <laughs> oh man, that's the pickleball tournament I won. That's he, not. But <laughs> he legit held up this trophy with like stars and sparkles next to the camera, and I thought I thought he actually made one. If anybody has Jake on their Christmas list, somebody make him an Anderson Hester National Championship trophy. That is, uh, yeah, that is cool. It. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. That's it's okay, a good. Well, we've it's got a, good a few top. questions a good about Alaska to, to get yeah. to. Let's yeah, run it. yeah. We, we so, threw it out to the mailbag. Let's do it. Throw them in the out. Mail bag. Questions. Um, here's Johnny at Johnny J twenty, friend of the program. Says besides family, what does Benji miss most by living in Alaska, and what does Jake miss most about living in Alaska? So, um, I'll go first while you gather your thoughts. Uh, the interesting thing of living here, I wish that we had more time with warm darkness so in alaska when it's dark it's cold and so you can't really do a lot like the idea of uh campfires and s'mores and and camping out where it's like you're sitting around the fire and it's cold that does not exist here in the summertime you've got the fire going but it's like you know how in utah how it looks in the summertime about 7 p.m to 8 p.m maybe even 9 p.m it's all through the night just like that and so you never get that nighttime look at the stars campfire thing now you, you do get that later on in the year but you got to have your cold weather gear on and you know campfires aren't really cool like i 
I've done this before and I felt stupid about it. Everybody that lives here, I think, does this at some point in time. You're all bundled up. You've got yourself covered. You're protected from the elements and you're by a fire. So you hold your hands next to the fire. Well, all you're going to do is melt your gloves. The heat's not getting through what you're wearing. And so, or you'll set your boot next to the fire. Be like, oh, I'll warm my feet up. That warmth is not getting through. You're just going to melt your boot. And so uh, that experience that I grew up having of like campouts with a fire, with the stars, uh, I want to show my kids that because they don't they don't actually know that and it's kind of a cool thing so uh other than family that's the thing i miss that i i uh you guys should take advantage of and appreciate when you're down there yeah okay that's good that's good i didn't think about that but you mentioned mm-hmm. it i mean now you mentioned it yeah it's true for me the thing i miss most about alaska when and again i lived there at a different era in my life when i was a teenager a high school teenager so it wasn't i didn't you know it, it's a different point in my life but i loved in the summer, in, in, in where I live, Juneau is a little bit different climate than where you live. So we did have kind of some warm nights, right, in the summer because we had more of a rainy, temperate type of climate, right? Because we were right there on the coast, southern tip of Alaska, more like northern Washington, basically, type of weather, right, in the summer. Mm-hmm. So I missed going out with my friends to either the beach on Douglas Island or at a friend's house and staying up all night and having it just be... Just like 60 degrees and still kind of light but not kind of dark. And you could pull all-nighters like it was no problem. We would go to the lake or to like Mendenhall Lake and we'd just put, put, have a fire there and hang out with our friends and just stay up all night. I miss the outdoorsness of it, you know. I miss yeah. the beauty of Alaska. It is so green. It is so lush. I mean, I, I, there's times where I can close my eyes and remember sitting on my porch and seeing Thunder Mountain across the valley, this tall, towering mountain covered in pine trees but then also have this cloudy mist and it just felt like you're in this like uh, this like rainforest this is just awesome i missed that about it uh yeah that's that's probably the number one thing i missed the most oh beautiful place when i was new here and i got a kayak and i began kayaking in this lake that's right by my house and just fell in love with it and and i remember the first time just constantly looking to the left and to the right because i was surrounded by forests and just thinking everywhere else that you live, it's like, okay, here's the forest and this is where it ends. And this is the boundaries of the forest. And I'm looking at this saying the the boundary isn't where the forest ends. I'm in the boundary. I'm in the civilized part. And I know if I were to begin walking that direction, I could walk for 10 days and it would be forest. And, and the idea of wild wilderness right up next to you, it just, it's, it's this overwhelming feeling of just this awe and, and I was very, like, every time I'd be kayaking, I was well aware, this is wilderness. Like, I got to be careful. I'm in the wild. And then I get so accustomed to it, it just becomes second nature that you let your guard down. And it kind of, it was something I'd, for a few years, not thought about until the day I came right up next to a grizzly bear without realizing it. He was there. And I was kicking myself because I knew that. I knew it was wild. I knew it was forest. But I'd spent hundreds and hundreds of hours there and let my guard down. And guess what? There's a bear. And that that really woke me up. I mean, it was crazy. Did you have your bear spray? No. And this was funny. I had flipped my kayak two weeks earlier, almost died. It was May. It was 30 degree uh, water temperature, but it was flowing. And, uh, and uh, anyway, I didn't die. I survived that, but I never recovered my bear spray out of the water. And so I was kayaking in the lake a couple weeks later and had not replaced it yet. And uh, oh, there's man. a bear. I mean, what are the odds? So I'm going to say yeah, uh, two weeks crazy. in a row almost. Actually, it wasn't two. Yeah, it was about three weeks. Anyway, yeah, I, I'm still here. Crazy, man. Yeah. What? Uh, what? Okay, quite. what's the next second question? Back to our mailbag. Okay. 
Second question um, from Braden Shamo, friend of the program. He's got a two-parter. We'll address his second part first. How bad do you feel that you forgot to honor your promise to give listeners a shout-out that tweeted you with the secret <laughs> phrase? I had no recollection of that until like I was thinking about that. Like, what is he talking about? I think we had some episode at some point in time where we'd been like uh, rambling yep. on and on and on and said, no one's listening by now, and said, if you're listening, prove it yep. to us by a secret. And I totally forgot that. I, I feel bad. Yep. Well, it, was, it was your story about it was your story about the the noise you heard in the middle of the night with your photographer. <laughs> oh yes, and, yes. And, and you did you you reenacted it. And you said if if you're listening to this because it'd be like an hour and twenty minutes at that point. Give us a sh- let us know and we'll give you a shout out. So yeah. Braden, my man, the shout outs for you, brother. Thanks for for cycling through to the We've- end of that. Uh, end of that um podcast we've we've given him a couple shout outs his his uh, other question is what's the coldest you've ever felt in alaska um i'll let you go first because your answer is probably more boring than mine yeah it was i mean there was a couple times where it got to negative 20 25 but like i said earlier in juno it's more 10 12 degrees days um and then occasionally you know it'd be it'd be 10 12 degrees for three straight weeks and all of a sudden one day it'd be 52 degrees and raining in february and melt everything and then all of a sudden the next day back to 12 degrees so yeah it wasn't it wasn't terrible coldest i felt was probably negative 20 but go ahead you feel that on the reg negative negative 20 here's the thing yeah i do but negative 20 as far inland as i am does not suck as bad as negative 20 right by the ocean right by the ocean negative 20 sucks i've been to anchorage a few times when it's like that holy cow i do not like that that water in the air it just cuts right through and it's not even water it's like ice hitting your ear you got like ice next to your ear because it's in the air and it's just oh it's miserable so so yeah, yeah negative twenty is nothing for me, but it's a it's a lot easier to handle negative twenty way inland, um, and I'll I'll kind of break down my thoughts on the cold because a lot of people ask about that. So um, thirty two like when you're in February is not only like it's not cold, it's warm. Like you'll walk around in a t shirt and legit feel like wow, this is I, your body's been craving that. Like thirty two feels warm when you're coming out of the winter. Um, ideal favorite winter temperature for me is twenty above or um or just a little bit below 20 above and the reason is you get this beautiful frost on the trees and as long as we stay under 20 degrees that frost just grows and when the sunlight hits it which we don't have a lot of sunlight but when the sunlight that's kind of a low angle evening sunlight hits it it is one of the most beautiful things you can imagine and so when we get above 20 degrees that goes away and we just have stupid twigs like you know it just doesn't look as pretty so i like 20 degrees in the winter time all the way down to 10 degrees because you can go if you're out working out if you're like you know walking around doing stuff hiking uh you really are fine in in a hoodie with maybe a layer underneath it because it's just you're, you're moving and so that's not a bad temperature all the way down to 20 below you can go do stuff outside in so anywhere between 20 below and 20 above is kind of the ideal you can still go out and do things in the winter time 20 below to 40 below is like this stupid no man's land of like uh, when I was new here and it was about 30 below, I was like, all right, I'm going to go shovel some snow just so I can tell people I shoveled snow at 33 below. And I broke the snow shovel because the properties of everything changes when you get that cold. Like you can't, it's a bad idea to go cross country skiing because you're going to ruin your skis. And, and so uh, below 20 below really sucks all the way to 40 below sucks. And then something interesting happens when you get down to 40 below, 50 below and, and beyond, 
it's cool. It's just cool to tell people that you survived that, you know, that you're living through it. You got all kinds of frost coming on the inside of the house. The doorknobs just covered in frost on the inside. We'll have our drinks sitting in the corner just by the door, and it's like they've been in the fridge. And so when it gets 50 below, they're actually freezing on the inside of a house, a very well-insulated house. And so Dude, stuff yeah, I've gets... Seen, I've seen your pictures of, of frost coming in the door like yeah like growing across the door yeah and so that's yeah 40 50 below and beyond it's like it's crazy and so of course that would suck if that was all winter and we had to just deal with that nonstop. it's rarely like that you know so so to have that two or three times a winter to just be like well 50 i think so anyway coming all the way back around to the question 55 de- degrees below zero is the <laughs> coldest that i have ever personally felt now conversely i used to live in southern california in uh, inland empire 122 above 120 of of course it's above 122 fahrenheit we had a ward party that night we're sitting there at a park eating sandwiches it was miserable and surprising those two extremes they're very similar you just stay in your house you know the way you live your life it it can be 120 above or 40 below and and your your lifestyle is very similar so what you're telling me is this earth is perfectly placed just far enough from the sun to have have life on this earth, right? Almost like it was Absolutely. Yeah. Or or that we just, you know, became the perfect people to live where this earth already was. Here we are disagreeing. I'm not a yeah. <laughs> we we actually agree on that, but uh, but I'm just I'm being the uh yeah, devil's advocate uh, here. Contrarian, yeah. Literally okay, devil's last advocate. Last question before we Yeah. Last question before we uh we wrap this baby up. Go for it. What is it? Uh, you know, there was just a whole lot of back and forth between uh, Vakavati or Vakavati. I don't even know how to say his name. Vaca, Vaca, We've all known him forever. He, but that's the thing with Twitter. Used to go at it. Yeah. We never actually say words out loud. Like, what if he's like, no, it's Vakavati, you know? So we'll just say Vakavati. Um, uh, talking about uh, our schedule and where BYU is ranked and uh, how Utah feels. Oh, I think his original question was, will BYU finish in the top 15 this year? Uh, I say yes, uh, but not not that much higher. I think if they're undefeated through the regular season and you've got all the other P5s playing, that's enough. I mean, they're not going to be better than one or two teams from the Pac-12, one or two or three teams from the Big uh, Big Ten, and uh, possibly someone from the Big 12. So, or the Big 12 is already playing. But anyway, they might get bumped back about five from where they're at now, uh, put them at 17, and they've got maybe enough to work their way into the top 15. But uh, legitimately, I don't see them finishing very much higher than the 15. Uh, go ahead and your thoughts, and then we'll get to his part two of that question. Yeah. Well, no, knowing him, the, the point of his question was, <laughs> which That's is the part, part two, was to, stir, was to stir it up. Because he and I used to go at it quite a bit when I was the former Mighty Alaskan Ute yes. uh, about ratings, about blow, everything, right? His second part was, and will this be a better season than anything Utah's accomplished in the Pac-12, which is the whole point of his question. And, I mean, dude, we could go on for 20 minutes, but I'm going to say no. I don't care. If you finish 11-12 and play, you know, and, and, I don't, I'm not going. I'm not starting because I won't stop, man. I won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So what you're saying is he was successful. Um, no, I yeah, we'll see. That'll be that'll make Twitter a fun place. We just need more PSAs about hi. I I like BYU, and and yeah. I like Utah, and we're still friends. <laughs> at, at that point, no, honestly, to his point, it's a point of perspective. At that point, would you rather roll through a bunch of G5 people with zero P5 wins and finish ranked ten to twelve? Or would you rather play in a P5 conference where you have 7, 8, 9, 10 P5 
five wins, uh, have a chance at a championship, and have a chance at the playoff. That's what it comes down to. Here's, There's some that will choose one, some will choose the other, right? Here's what people are forgetting, though, or neglecting to, to take into consideration. You'd mentioned Utah's recruiting go- profile. And recruiting. I don't know if BYU's recruiting profile is actually – I think there's outside factors hurting BYU's recruiting profile. But the team, I feel like, is clearly better than they've been in a long time. And I think if you say, you could just look at this year and say, oh, this is the formula for success. Just do what they're doing. Well, imagine this year that Utah gets a waiver that they can play football and the rest of the Pac-12 doesn't. And Utah plays BYU schedule. Is someone really going to say, why don't they leave the Pac-12? No, because they lose everything. They don't have that recruiting profile if they leave the Pac-12. And I feel like BYU is an independent, is solidly middle of the pack P5. You know, that's where they're in year in, year out. I mean, they're not, they're, they're going to beat people middle of the conference and it'll be a close game. They're going to beat Tennessee's, things like that. You know, they're not, they're not clearly into G5 territory. And of course, the, the top 10 G5 teams, you could say that about, you know, you could say, take Houston, take Boise State, take Cincinnati, throw them into P5. They're going to be 500. You know, BYU is right there with them. Now, if you take them and put them in a G5 conference and say, okay, now they can have easy games all the time and they'll dominate. No, that's going the wrong direction. So yes, this year looks cool. This year is fun, but you don't say let's design the schedule this year. Like every year, there's the thing, what recruits love when you put yourself in their shoes, I love seeing them show up at a place like, uh, like, uh, Austin, Texas, you know, and pregame, they're snapping photos. They're posing with the logo of Texas because you know what? That's a historic stadium, and that's a cool place to play, and that's what gets kids to BYU is you say, look, here's all the places you're going to go in the next four years if you sign with us. You, you don't right. get it's, that I, when you just play easy schedules. Right. And In fact, Patrick Kinahan had wrote, wrote an article about it earlier this week that BYU should schedule like this going forward, and there's some that are like, yeah, we should. And, dude, deep down, no one wants that. You want to Mm-mm. compete at the, at the highest level. What you want is you want to get into a P5 league and compete there, right? That's Absolutely. what you really want, and you're right. Going the opposite way, that's not getting you there. And yeah. right now, and, dude, the college football environment is going to look totally different 20 years from now. You look back 20 years, no one in their right mind would have said Utah be a Pac-12 team, right? So right. it's going to change. You want to continue to put yourself in a position to get in with the with the elites of the group and going the other way is not going to do it, man. You, Absolutely, you keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. All right, bro. Looks like we're all on the same page, everyone. And like we started off our podcast, hey, we don't need to fight. Yeah. We like to talk nice to each other, right, we or whatever can, we do. We can disagree and still respect each other. Yeah, exactly. Do you feel well, like man, respect well, is respect earned, or should respect be a given? Is that a starting point, or is it earned? Wow, that's a that's a deep question to end with, bro. That's it a is. long discussion. It because you can, there's both sides. I think people need need to generally respect people as it is as a baseline. Yeah. Have have respect, but respect for accolades that's earned, right? You're right. respected for being right. a college football powerhouse by being a winning team every year and winning big games. That's how you get that respect. But to be respect, you know, I, I don't know. Does that make sense? What you're saying is the English language needs two words for respect. Because respect I'm, I'm and respect. One of my core values with my with my team here at work is compassion. And part of compassion is we respect everybody who walks through our doors. We, when, when someone goes their whole life and doesn't get respected by anybody, when they're here, they get respected by us. And it's something where, I mean, I'm, I'm very passionate about that. Like we are going to treat everybody with value, but that's a different version of respect than like, Hey, this person's amazing. You know? Uh, yeah. yeah. So 
Uh, yeah, we need we need more words. If you're a linguist right. who's been on meth in the past and you're also really good <laughs> at economics, NFL agent. Yes. <laughs> you're an NFL agent that's been on meth, but you're also a linguist. <laughs> Reach out to us, man. This podcast. No wonder we're the low IQ podcast. We just <laughs> we hit some weird lows. <laughs> yes. All right. All right, hey. man. Well, I guess that'll wrap it up. Anything else? Any shout outs? Any sponsors or anything before we wrap oh, this we've, up? We've had quite a few shout outs. Yeah, let, I think we're in a good spot. Any any from your side? No, just wanted to. Uh, we were sponsored this week by Pretty Bird. Okay. And by sponsored, I mean I went and bought a sandwich there today and I love it and it's delicious. So I'm giving them a shout out man. because if, if, they, if they were sponsoring podcasts, they'd sponsor us. I know it. I just know My- it. My list of places I need to eat is just growing. It's been so long. I'm, I'm coming up on, it'll be more than two years since I've been to Utah because of the whole shutdown and everything. So I'm going to have this endless list of places to eat. And then and then we're going to be there. My kids are going to be like, let's go to Chuckarama. And you yeah. know what? We'll do it. <laughs> Get McDonald's Happy Meals the whole time. <laughs> we'll do we'll Drive past there. Pretty Bird. <laughs> they've, they've got their, the, McDonald's is here. We can do McDonald's here. But they, uh, Chuckarama oh, okay. is like... Man, that's the when you're a kid, that's the we don't have Chuckarama here, so we've we've got to. Let me do guess it. what else is on your list, your kids' list? Cafe Rio, probably, right? Yeah, well, because we remember like Cafe Rio in its glory days. Apparently, it's yes. not the same anymore. It's it's expanded and grown, and they've lost just like Mobetta, Mobetta, yeah. and I love Mobetta because I the guy that owns it is in the Bishopburg with me, and we're good friends, so I love him. Shout out Kimo Mac. But it's since they've expanded, they've kind of lost their 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 touch too. That's hmm. just the that's just the way it is. With especially with you know meat and stuff, you need a good pit master, you need a good yeah. barbecue guy, you need a good whatever. And so they're not as good as they were. But dude, for a quick and dirty meal, dude, there's there's a bountiful one. They just they just moved to the old Burger King location on Fifth South, and they now have a drive-thru. So for a quick meal, boom, you drive through Cafe Rio and pick that up, man. And yeah. Yeah, it's not the same. I remember I first came up from my mission in 2002. My little brother was eating a Cafe Rio burrito. He's like, you got to try this. I was like, took a bite. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's freaking incredible. Where is yeah. that? He's yeah. like, 33rd South in Salt Lake by Mount Olympus. So I had to drive all the way from Bountiful to Mount Olympus to go get <laughs> this burrito. But it was worth it because it was like – that was one of their few spots, and they had quality and control. It's not the same, but maybe because our palates are more mature now. I don't know. I'm rambling. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're being Rio, spoiled. We yeah. Yes. No, I, uh, All right, fellas. Yeah. Pretty bird. I'll well, take it out. We, uh, we'll check. Oh, yeah. I'll give you a list of places you got to eat. I've been curating a very nice list for adults that like good food. Nice. Cool. <laughs> All right, my man. Well, until next time, yeah. go Utes. Go Cougs.